0: Welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Praise him! (laughs) Uh, today we're gonna be talking about Fisher by Plain English Theatre Company. We're gonna be talking about Club Night at Miscellanea. And we're gonna be talking about Five Stars. Done at Theatre Works. Ooh, ooh. What a (laughs) thrill. Ah, what a thrill. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Hello.
1: Hey. <laughs> Hi, James. Hi, Jake. It's nice Hello. to see you. Oh, sure. It's fine to see you. Oh. Um, <laughs>
0: Thanks for that. No problem. Um, uh, yeah. How How are you? Uh, me. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. It is raining. Sure. Which is making me feel a bit sad. Why am I making you feel like that? Witch, go away. Ah! We don't want you here. I. Oh, um, <laughs> wow. She <literally laughs> just left. <laughs> what a creepy oh. little witch. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Why does it make me sad? Cause it's rain. I just discovered
1: The internet, you know when the internet just tells you to know about something? Yeah. That Margaret Hamilton, the woman that played the Wicked Witch of the West, had like a a guest appearance on Sesame Street, and they couldn't air the episode because it was too scary.
0: Oh, where's the, where's, where's the little like one person show about that? The one person show about that? Yeah, I'm imagining like, it's the witch, but she plays a bunch of different roles as she's trying to put on this episode of Sesame Street. Do you think that she played all the roles when she was on Sesame Street? In the one man show, she would. Oh. Wait, so is she the is So it, is it so the show? Is, the, okay. the show is the character of the Wicked Witch of the West talking okay. about how she tried to be on Sesame Street but they wouldn't let it happen because she was too evil. <laughs> and the Wicked Witch of the West p- pretends to be all the various Muppets. Is it right. Muppets? Puppets? Whatever Muppets. they are. Yeah. No Muppets is a different thing. Sesame Street a different Sesame thing. Sesame Street is Muppets though. Is it? Yeah. What? What do you mean what? Like like in the <laughs> Muppet Cinematic Universe, Sesame I, Street exists. Because the Muppets are Cobit the Frog. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Little Miss Piggy. And they feature on Sesame Street. Oh,
0: (laughs) Christmas
1: I don't know in terms of, like, the cinematic universe. Like, I don't know if if the same Muppets that are... I haven't seen a lot of the Muppets movies. I have not either. The ones that do, like, the Christmas story and... That, that, don't they find treasure in one of them? I, I think there's one where they are, like, the pirates, yeah. But the pirate one, I don't oh, know... Oh, the if, one where Kermit's, like, a Russian agent? I don't know if those Muppets, in terms of the cinematic universe, if they have <laughs> memories of living on Sesame Street, uh-huh. or if Sesame Street is considered to be, like, a like a backstage experience for them. Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, like, that strange the Muppets Muppet- mockumentary... The Muppet multiverse. The, I don't know if there's a multi... But, I don't know, maybe... The Mupp...
0: Muppet-verse.
1: The muptiverse? muppet The Verse. I think we need to move on from this. No, no, I think this is where we should dwell for as long as we can. Yeah, no, they... But, yeah, so muppet, the things on Sesame Street are muppets. I don't know if it includes things like Big Bird or Snuffleupagus. Why just those two, Jake? Well, because they're, like, big, like, huge set-piece characters. Whereas, like, doesn't a muppet have to have, like, those sticks controlling
0: their arms? Ah, yeah, But I feel th- like if you have... If we're going to talk about the puppets or Muppets. Mm. If you're going to have big puppets next to little puppets, they're just puppets, you know? Like, they're all in the same show. See, but now you're using Muppet and Puppet interchangeably. Yeah, because the Muppets are puppets. All Muppets are puppets, but not all puppets are Muppets. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like Tequila and Mezcal.
1: Yes. Um, you know that thing of how Snuffleupagus used to be Big Bird's imaginary friend? No. Well, yeah. So you know how that woolly mammoth is Snuffleupagus? No. There's a woolly mammoth. Okay. <laughs> Tell me when I need to stop backtracking. <laughs> There's not. a big woolly mammoth on Sesame Street. Sure. This huge, like okay. the size of two people standing on top of each other, woolly mammoth. Snuffleupagus. Called Snuffleupagus. Good. And it's Big Bird's best friend. And originally, Snuffleupagus was imaginary and only Big Bird could see him. But then they had to change him into being a real woolly mammoth because they didn't like like propagating the idea that children have secrets that adults don't believe. Oh. In, in, in the way of like... If a child is being like molested, if they tell their parents the be idea believed. that the parents won't believe them, wow. as, if, like, as if the mammoth was their sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> and in many warning ways, sexual <laughs> assault. Jesus. And, you know, th- th- that, they didn't want to send out the message that like, sometimes adults won't believe children and that's just the way you have
0: to live. Wow. <laughs> mm. Wow, that's really interesting. Is Nuffleupagus anything to do with that big pink thing in uh, I- Inside Out? Is it Inside Out, the name of the movie? I was too scared to see Inside Out. because what? I, w- I was worried that it would
1: alter my relationship with my inner thoughts. It... As opposed to my outer thoughts. Actually, of all the people
0: I know, it probably would with you. I yes. was worried it would give me some sort yep. of weird psychosis. That's fair. You're already like... Because <laughs> my brain's broke. You're one foot in the water already. <laughs> exactly. So. I don't need a shove into the creek of crazy. You don't need Amy Poehler and... Who else is in that? Amy Poehler and... Is Amy Poehler in that? Does she yeah, play the she yellow one? she plays the yellow happy one. And the sad one is, I think, Megan McCain. I think. Meghan McCain does not. No, there is no chance. We're going to pause this while I look this up. Okay, but I'm.
1: While you Google, I'm also going to very skeptically and loudly say, I yet, no, I do not think Meghan McCain voiced anybody in Inside Out. She was too busy, like, being on The View and being immaculate and getting absurd hairstyles done. And. Oh, it's Phyllis Smith. (laughs) Okay, so Phyllis Smith is nothing to. She's sadness is the character's name. I'm excited to read Meghan McCain's memoir that she released first as an audible thing and then eventually released a paperback edition of it. Huh. That's it's like an big, odd direction to go in. Super, like, it's almost... I want to believe that either she had some sort of, like, like audible contract which is why she went with that route or mm. she understands her like biggest fans so well to know that oh they're not gonna read a book <laughs> but, but they'll listen to me
0: <laughs> I was drinking some water but that made me laugh um um anyway anyway my week Jake uh, <laughs> thanks for asking it's please tell me friends that care yeah yeah come on um, Let me. my in. week's been good yeah. it's been great I'm gonna give it how many st- well I'll tell you why it's been good first <laughs> Great, Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan. Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan. I watched the season finale of mm-hmm. Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. And I have watched that season finale multiple times now. Oh my god! When did it come out? Wednesday. And since Wednesday, you've watched not it... the whole thing, but I've watched like select scenes. Oh, you really? You had to revisit it. For oh my positive god! Positive reasons. Positive reasons. I'm not going to nerd out too much here, but and this are you is... going to
1: spoil anything for anybody?
0: I mean, here's the thing. We know going in that Obi Wan and Darth Vader are going to meet. We know they're both going to survive, and we know that Obi Wan is going to win because all of that is stipulated in the movies. You know, okay. we already know that's going to happen. When you say "we," you of course mean the nerd community. The nerd community yes. of which you are a part. <laughs> no, no. Uh huh. In what way? What? No, I'm not part of the. Nerd. We're not getting into this. We're not getting. This is too much to unpack your nerdness. I'm not a nerd. Hmm. I'm not a nerd. I'm cool. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> you got a lot of books for someone who's cool. Shut up. <laughs> so, yes. Um, it was just a, just to briefly touch on why I love Star Wars so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was this scene towards like the midway of the episode where, like, wait, sorry, I think I need information just in terms of like I- this slots in narratively
1: where in the arc between. Of Star Wars?
0: Okay, so after the prequel trilogy, but before the original trilogy, okay. this is like ten years before the original trilogy, mm-hmm. before the first ever movie. Okay, and it's like the first time that Darth Vader and Ewan McGregor Obi Wan Kenobi Mm -hmm. have met. Okay, since the original trilogy, since the prequel trilogy, and Darth
1: Vader is Hayden Christensen in a black astronaut suit.
0: Yes, and it's good that you brought that up because this is the first time that I've watched it and gone, "Oh my god, that's that's Hayden, that's Anakin Skywalker in the big black Darth Vader suit." And you could tell that because of Hayden Christensen's iconic body language? Two things. Yes, in one of the episodes, there was uh, there was genuinely... Everyone was like, wow, that looks like Hayden Christensen in the suit. But- People are that familiar with Hayden Christensen's walking we style? We love Hayden Christensen's, We're nerds. Oh, did you but- see Awake? We'll talk about Let me fucking talk I'm Sorry, I get excited about Hayden Christensen. Continue talking. He used to be a farmer. Um, so there's a scene where Obi-Wan, sorry, spoilers ahead, if you do not want to hear about this series or just don't like Star Wars, um, like slices open a part of Darth Vader's helmet, and then there's like a huge interaction between the two of them where like Hayden Christensen is staring out from inside Darth Vader's mask. Oh. And it's this incredible like vocal mixing of both of their voices. And it's just a really wonderful. Oh, so how do I explain that? So, is it when Hayden Christensen talks inside of the black
1: astronaut suit, it comes out as James Earl Jones's? Yeah, voice? because of the voice. Because he's Larry's. Because he's got one of those like kidnapper voice modulators. Does. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. he's he's Larry. Leave he's your daughter in the
0: bin, and I'll come and get her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, like that. So, when the mask is split open, the voice modulator doesn't quite work. So he's able to sort of speak with his original burnt, disgusting vocal cords. Cause he got Because he... Hayden Christensen got his legs chopped off and thrown into lava by Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end of the third movie. And it gave him a sore throat. <laughs> it burnt his entire body. How thoroughly? Enough that he has to wear that black suit forever because it has life support systems. Oh, that's like holding his, like, yeah, together. Yeah, and because... Okay, because he's a Sith and he's sort of, like... What does that mean? Evil. Oh, (laughs) evil. Because he's evil. Uh Uh-huh. He's got the suit, and all the life support systems have, like, these hooks and barbs that go into his body that keep him perpetually angry. Because that's how the Sith work. It keeps him angry. Yeah, because they they harness their anger and fear. You know, that's what they,
1: like... Oh, uh, so that's not part of keeping him alive. That's just part of why he's angry.
0: It's... He doesn't need the hooks inside of him. No, he doesn't. The, the, his... So it's like that albino in the Da Vinci Code who wears that yes! thing around his head. Yes, diet. it is like the albino in the Da Vinci Code who whips himself and does all that and makes that weird hook belt. That's Solis It's thing. that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's okay. that. Um, except, yeah, I could get into this way more, but I won't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so seeing them have that interaction was just a really surprising expression like, of their acting abilities, of Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. They have this incredible scene, huh, which I've rewatched so many times, mm-hmm. where just sort of, where Ewan McGregor's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all of it, Anakin. It's Ah, great. It's magnificent. Sure. And then, oh, there's a really cool line. Anywho. (laughs) Uh, That's my week. So I'm going to give it Obi-Wan star out of five. Obi-Wan star. Obi-Wan star. Okay. (laughs) You're welcome. Great, great, great.
1: (laughs) Well, that's exciting. I think... Mm. Me trying to imagine how I could have an experience of that level of satisfying—I don't know what that would be. My brain is lazily trying to be like, "I want to see an episode of Charmed where, oh, yeah. where Prue and Paige talk to each other." I think that would be. Sweet. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, this yeah, it's, I think that's a very similar sort of. It's seeing like favorites from bygone shows and eras sort of have a revival. It's mm. really nice. Sure. Um, hey, listeners let's pretend this is a bit we've inserted oh, okay to be, to be do, clear do, do this some, is not we are time has not changed background change. jingle music okay quieter quieter though fluid. hey listeners Secondly, do you want to do you want James to make Jake watch Star Wars and then unpack it on this podcast comment and let us know because we will do that if enough of you ask and I want Jake to watch Star Wars that's the end of this segment yeah
1: great yeah Excited to see what the fans want. Yeah, the fans <laughs> will demand. Uh, should we talk about the theater? Um, well, I haven't told you about my week yet. Well, I thought you 100% absolutely did.
0: Hundred percent didn't happen. We spoke about the snuffleupagus. We <laughs> took <talked> a <about> snuffleupagus. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, out of five stars, I suppose I will give my week mm-hmm. hundred and seventy-seven. Hundred and
0: seventy-seven. Okay. Hundred and seventy-seven. I like how many points are in that number it's a lot of syllables <laughs> yeah yeah seven yeah has a lot more syllables like i, I notice i as i'm aging sorry mm. to turn it into me mm. uh 20 listen to this ready this 25 uh uh-huh. 26 mm-hmm. Twenty-seven. Mm, that is a... That's an that extra a, syllable. It's a turn of whole a corner. whole extra syllable. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Go on with your okay. week. <laughs> that was good. No, that was a, a fun, <laughs> fun, fun hot take I on numbers. <laughs> I love numbers. Uh,
1: yeah. So, yeah, obviously it was like the, yeah, the, the second and final week of Five Stars mm. being a show that was on. Mm. Uh, yeah. So it was just that, which was, yeah, yeah. Um, artistically very nourishing, but also emotionally very exhausting. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And we closed last night. Um and yeah, bumped out of theater works and that show is done, and now I enter the process of grief and mm-hmm. misery and <laughs> rebuilding myself. Which is And re entering the world. An exciting place to be. Could be. No no it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm choosing to see it as a healthy opportunity. That's a
0: first for you. Ah,
1: uh, well, I might be lying.
0: Oh. So. Um, I'm excited to see what you do next. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, thank you, James. Mm. Thank you. Do you have any projects? Any projects? Uh, no, no, but I, no, but no. But I no. had a fun conversation with Alonzo last night who was like, oh, 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 yeah. With this, it was this really lovely conversation where he was like, oh, with this being the show that you've just done, I think this will just like, it will definitely mean that the next thing you do will be very interesting to see. It's like, Alonzo, what an interesting thing to say.
0: Lovely Alonzo. Well, Alonzo doesn't know how to say anything boring. Alonzo's... Always great. Why are you making that face? Sorry, it just sounded so much like you're about to insult Alonzo, and I was prepared to. Oh no, no, no angel no. from heaven. Yeah, yeah no. exactly. No. Yeah. Anyway, um, do you want to talk about theater? I mean, I guess so. Oh my god, let's fucking do it then. <laughs> I just thought I might quickly mention, in looking at the casts for Obi Wan Kenobi and also Inside Out. Okay, Flea is in both of those movies. <laughs> both these shows. Who's Flea? Flea. The uh, the singer, the singer Flea. Like, is, I think it was like in. Uh, Australian musician and actor, founding member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. This guy. I've never seen that man in okay. my life. Okay, well, okay. Sure. he was in both of those things. How he did played... you
1: find that out? Well, I was looking
0: at the cast for Obi-Wan Kenobi just then, quickly. Okay. And I saw Flea, and I knew that when I looked at the cast of Inside Out earlier, I saw Flea. And that's my fun Flea fact. Oh, that is a fun Flea fact. Hmm. Do it, does Flea play a significant person in, in obi In neither of these. In Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's the man that kidnaps... A special character, I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it. Okay. Uh, and in Inside Out, he plays one of the workers in the mind. He's like one of the just little minion-y looking bitches. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's it. That's um, okay,
1: that's fun. So, <laughs> now, Is Red Hot Chili Peppers still making music? I don't know or care. Okay, Sure. Yeah, no. I think the only song that I know of there's is this, like "Hump De Bump." That right? That's, That's a song. Is that right? Anything's a song, Jake. <laughs> isn't there a song? like, b- de Bomp. Yes. I want to
0: hump de no, bump. I, <laughs> have I made this song? <laughs> up? Stop! Stop now! I can't. Stop it! You... This is Jake after a fortnight of doing a very emotional show. I what think. was their
1: best? What's their most well-known song? Uh,
0: let me look up. Let me see. But what, you
1: don't have that in your head? No, absolutely not. Then let's just not. regard it. This is <laughs> not
0: a googling I podcast. Don't <out>. We I know. just wanted to say that Flea was in both those things. Oh, so good. that sweetens the deal for anyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> Love a sweet Flea fact. Okay, great. Let's. What's the first show that uh, you... So, today we're going to be talking about Fisher. 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 Great. Done uh, by the Plain English Theatre Company. Great. was at the meat market. <laughs> as as is tradition, I know nothing about this show. Mm-hmm. So I've gone in and I've looked at the poster. First of all, noticed I am dressed exactly like <laughs> the, f- the titular Fisherman. Written and directed and starred in by James Robertson. Sat on down. It's... It's got a preset It's got a preset James I don't know if you know this about me But I Famously love a preset Yes I did know that about you um, Are you ready to hear about the preset? Yes Um, And it is Because there's two men uh-huh. Just in the middle of this sort of In the round sort of set of seats And they are Wait, So is it in the round? It's 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 a semicircle of of chairs around the stage, but okay. not all the way along the back. Sure. it could have been in the round. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it could have been like like the way I'm thinking about the way they did all the the scenes. Like it, you, it could have very easily been done in the round. Okay, because we were more or less surrounding them. There was so like, it was a thrust. It was a th- yeah, it was a thrust. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Great. Um, so we wandered in, sat down, and there were two men there. In one in like high vis full jumpsuit, and one in sort of like more traditional. What I was wearing, fisherman garb. <laughs> know clothes that make you look emotionally cut off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> A good theater going outfit, I think. <laughs> oh, that's going to hurt. That's going to stink. Um, and they're just shouting at okay. each other in like in the preset. So, two men shouting at each other. Mhm. Uh, we have Andre Rode and Xavier Darcy Marquez. Okay. Both dressed in like fisherman outfits. Mhm um, Andre is, is Andre the one? Yeah, Andre's wearing, like, more traditional fisherman garb, pretty mm-hmm. much exactly like what I was wearing. Yes. Yes. Uh, and Xavier was wearing, like, a, a full tradie jumpsuit situation, like, high viz. Mm-hmm. And they're both just shouting, like, um, like, tradie shouting fishermen on a boat vibes. Oh, great. Yeah. And, and it felt give... just kind of, like, improv-y and loud. Yeah, yeah, that was, like, they, they weren't shouting anything in particular. Mm. And they were, like, sort of cutting barnacles off nets and, like, scrubbing the floor of a boat mm. and was very straight away. Um, Andre um, was tall and, and beanie man. Okay. He's got the loudest voice I think I've ever heard. Oh, God. Okay. Like, it was deafeningly loud. Mm-hmm. Like a foghorn. Sure. Which, as the show went on, was good because his character sort of came to represent toxic masculinity. Oh, fantastic. So it was pretty good that he was a loud, loud person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, um, so, so they do this preset... And then they sort of have this scene where they're just sort of on a boat fishing and they're just being lads with each other. Mm-hmm. And then along comes James Robertson. Okay. As Dez Derek. Okay. <laughs> and I cannot describe to you this moment when he walked out and he wanders on and he's dressed in his big fisherman galoshes that like are the, the boots that are part of the pants that are like overalls that go all the way up. Mm-hmm. Like his big fisherman coat and his beanie. And he walks on and he stares into the distance and it's just this morose, depressing, immediately tragic vibe that mm. he manages to just present with this single standing and staring. Yeah. And it immediately sets the tone of, oh, this man's not all good. Okay. <laughs> oh dear, this man's in some trouble. Mm. Um, And the show eventually, like, it, it boils down to being about, it's mostly about Derek trying to untangle his what he's been taught and how to regulate his emotions by his father and his friends and sort of So like is
1: Derek is what is
0: that James, James Robinson? Robinson? Yeah was yeah. Was it Des? Did I? Des Yeah, but the like the full name is Derek. Oh yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. understand Fisher culture. Not Fisher, <laughs> just nicknames. Yeah. Um so and it boils down to him trying to sort of yeah do that, but also trying to open up to his girlfriend played by Michelle Eddington, mm-hmm. who plays Claire. Cool. Um who was phenomenal. Great. Um this whole cast was terrific. Um but it's just it really nailed a few moments of just the tragedy of women and men being stuck in boring, and I don't know how to say this without sounding like a dick, boring heteronormative relationships that are sort of crushed by this toxic masculinity. Sure. And so many times I've seen this message, like, spoken about and sort of beaten on the head with a hammer but this there was something about the way it sort of I don't know it sort of had like really cutesy moments of Derek and Claire having sweet lovey moments but Derek not quite being able to understand why he can't fully enjoy them. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, really sad. I'm, I'm oh, rambling on. now, sorry. No, no. Um, let me get to my no, notes. That does sound upsetting. Mm. Is the... And don't let me
1: tremble on things if you're planning no, on talking about tremble. these things later. Um, is it... Is that the answer that they pose to at least Derek's very specific situation in terms of trying to enjoy his relationship? Is it the toxic masculinity that
0: it like disables him from being able to enjoy the tender moments of it's his? It seemed very much to me like that's what what was what they were getting at. Sure, I mean the the I don't want to spoil the end of the show, so I won't. <laughs> that's how goals that's work. How... <laughs> but there is there is um sort of the the suggestion that he does sort of. Cast off his toxic masculinity Ooh. shackles and, okay. and um, is able to live a bit more freely as himself. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, it was very funny in the foyer. There were there were a bunch of before lads the show. before the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry to jump around. There was a bunch of lads. <laughs> yes, who they we, were just being there to see the show. There to see the show. Oh, okay. They, you thought they were going to bash you? I thought they were going to bash me. Yeah. I was there alone. They were all being laddie. And it sort I, was of a I was just dressed as a fisherman. I I, I could not have been dressed more non (laughs) No, you looked really nice. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it was just funny. It was because I knew the show was about this going in. I was like oh, I feel so scared immediately. Oh. <laughs> and I had to like move away from them and stand on a different part of the foyer. Absolutely being fine people. Sure. But my brain just went, get away. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you've got to profile people. Sometimes you know, got to profile. To keep yourself safe. <laughs> that's what we at Praise Dionysus believe and support. Um. Yeah, so that's just one thing I had to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um. Andre and Xavier from the get-go had this, as the two lads on the boat, mm. had this dynamic of, Andre was like the this is and this this sort of dynamic that you see all the time with men. This sort of loud, funny one. He's always he's always right. And he's like, nah, mate, you gotta stay with us. You gotta do this. And Xavier had that sort of energy of, and I don't know if he was playing this intentionally, but it was almost like just the dopey idiot that follows along. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just seeing that sort of archetype was we really do have that archetype. Just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just of, like, dumb idiot men being followed by his lackeys. Sure. And that's what this was. Show progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, As it goes on, it could... I, I feel like it could have very easily sunk into just being a kitchen sink drama sort of serious. But there was some... Re- is that what it was, was it like naturalism? It was, it it? was, uh, it was na- naturalism with moments of some real spooky ethereal breakouts. I'm not really sure what to describe as. But, like, they would be having, like, normal conversations. And then all of a sudden, all of the singular words would be repeated by all four of the cast members even if they weren't in that particular scene at once and it just sort of immediately mm. sort of transported you to this sort of oh to sort of in, inside of Dez's mind I suppose of like oh god oh, well, okay. this is what he's thinking this is what is being hounded at him huh. um, and just the way the show sort of handled the thinking of the the oppressed straight man <laughs> <laughs> I can't. for whom you're clearly sympathetic <laughs> uh, well that, and that's the thing it, it sort of towed the line of making it Making it so we were sympathetic to poor Des. Mm. Um, like, even Des's solutions to the problems that he was being—he was coming up with. Like, there was this really beautiful scene, which I absolutely cried at, where it was towards the end of the show. And i it was Des and his partner Claire. And the whole time Des had been sort of like... His father had taught him how to cut fish up and kill them and get all the guts out. And there's this incredible line... Sorry, I'm going to completely ramble now. But there was this one incredible line where Des sort of spoke about how it's ironic that they always remove the one part of the fish that they need to keep themselves alive. And I just thought that was just... Oh, what was do a, you mean? In fishing, like, they always remove the bits of the fish that keep the fish alive. Like, the guts, the intestines, the, the stomach, all the bits that keep the fish alive are what they take out. Because they're fishing the fish.
1: yes, like they are gutting the fish, so yeah. they're taking out the inside of the fish. Yeah. So I'm missing how this metaphor connects to like I'm sure it's great once I understand what you're saying. <laughs> it's ironic that they take out the bits of the fish that they that the fish You don't eat the insides of the fish. It's too. so you eat d- the... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay, all right. So <laughs> So mm. um yeah.
0: I guess the I guess to me the metaphor was yeah. straight and Straight and laddish men who are subscribed to the bro code, mm-hmm. which was a thing brought up in this show, yeah. um, have to remove the parts themselves that keep themselves emotionally stable and keep themselves in touch with their, you know, inner monologue. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so they have to remove those bits that most human beings would say keep themselves alive. Right. Oh, okay. No, I can see how this could be devastating. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that like
1: straight men need to, in order to subscribe to the nature that society has deemed them necessary. Like they have to be like toxic, emotionless, like robot men that just want sex and beer. Well, yes, exactly. In order to survive a life with those sorts of demands, you would need to take out the parts of yourself that are sensitive and feminine and feeling. That's exactly it. Right. Okay, sure.
0: And so with that in mind, there's this one really beautiful cutesy scene where Des and Claire... Are just on the couch together and Claire's painting her toenails. And then she lets Des paint her toenails. Mm. And like then he paints his she she paints his nails. and it's this really quiet, beautiful scene of just watching this straight man let his partner paint his nails. And I don't know why it affected me so much, mm. but I was a sobbing mess. Oh, that's so nice in this theater, just watching the, yeah, it was really, really cute, Jake. That sounds <laughs> it was lovely, really sweet. It was, yeah, they really achieved a really beautiful moment with that. Hmm. Um, so Andre's character, mm. um, tall, shouty... Foghorn man. Foghorn man. Yes. Um, so, as I said, sort of became the embodiment of that toxic masculinity in the way that he was sort of like always harassing Dez into uh, like chatting about birds and, you know, talking... As in ladies, not not, not actual birds, Jack. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like showing like nudes of his girlfriend to Des and be like, let's see, let's see... And then at certain points, Des would try and break away from him because they had been friends since high school, Mm -hmm. Um, which is another horrifying thing. It was like, these three lads in the show had all been friends since high school and they all spoke about like, come on, the bro code, bro code. Mm. Um, And it was just so scary because those people are so real. And it was just watching them on this stage. It was like, oh, how do you not see this? Mm. Um, And like at points, Andre would be shouting, you can't escape this. At Dez, which in a way felt a bit on the nose. But then the fact that it was like the actual character of Andre shouting at Dez, it made total sense for him to be saying these things. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know that I'm sort of rambling and plotting all over the place, but there's, there, there's another <laughs> another bit where... Claire sort of finally realizes that des is just not going to be able to overcome these emotional boundaries that he set for himself mm-hmm. um, and tries to reach out to him and he sort of tries to meet her halfway and his immediate solution is to have kids and that was scary in because I feel like that is as I said earlier these sort of boring stagnant relationships that are just choked out by this sort of Patriarchy thing, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know that thing. <laughs> I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um. Their solution is to have kids because kids will glue them together and mm. keep them from. Separating. And it's something outside of themselves to focus on. Exactly. Yeah. And and so to hear him say that after sort of sympathizing with this character for so long and wanting him to come through to hear him say, "We'll have kids. We'll have t- we'll have kids," and try and fix everything like that, it was just, oh no, mm. this is so trapped because he genuinely thinks that's going to fix it. But it's just gonna obviously just cause the pattern. And we saw this scene where his father, again, like, teaches him how to kill these fish. And it's like, you're gonna be a bad dad. Mm. And you would be a bad g- group of parents. And those kids would grow up fucked. And everything is just gonna keep going like this. And I don't know how to fix it. And it just felt... I just really appreciate the way they tackled that. Because, I don't know, I feel like they could have very easily just painted Des as an evil character. But to really give him... I don't know an inroad an emotional inroad to actually see how he's sort of functioning in that moment and trying to sort of keep the one vestige of emotional support that he has in Claire and, mm. and trying to keep that it was so sad what do you think of tragic parents having terrible children <laughs> God,
1: that sounds really devastating. It was
0: really horrible.
1: Um, God. Just to ignore your question for a second, what leaps out to me is, like, the sense of, like... And maybe this is a conversation that I was just especially immersed in because of, like, you know, like, going to drama school and having a lot of conversations about this for some reason. I I don't know. I feel like it really peaked maybe, like, a little bit, like, just pre-COVID. And now it's sort of like turned into a few sort of other trickle-down conversations. Mm. But there was very much this upswing in people being like, and I don't know anything about James Robertson. He sounds really talented. Um, This this conversation is surrounding like straight white men have taken up too much space for too long and they should no longer have a platform to express themselves because they have had it for so long and now everyone else needs to have a chance to have their voices heard. It's like, of course, the second half, yeah, everyone should have their voices heard. But it's like straight white guys, which it sounds like, the, 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 the themes of this play, as you're saying, are very much interrogating. Oh, that, absolutely. It's like, that's the reason that voices like that still need to be platformed. Other reasons too, but it's like, the only way that you're going to unpack all these issues, and this ties not just to things like toxic masculinity, but also things like rape culture, and, you know, anything anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm. All these themes, being in a heteropatriarchal society, in order to at least even initiate... Discussion surrounding these sorts of like widespread issues And the, these systemic problems It's going to require conversation From everyone involved with the issue yeah. And to not want to encourage The inclusion of voices From what people Consider to be the ruling Group of people in that Situation. It's, not gonna fix anything. it's like you can't you can't exclude them from the like the conversation. Yeah. Otherwise, because they are going to have to play a role in solving all of these things. Yeah. As is with any issue, mm. like it can't all just be the 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 the, the victims mm. being the ones speaking. Like
0: you need to be speaking to power, and power needs to be talking back. You know. Yeah. No. And uh, yeah. And I think now that you've said all that out loud, you're, that's exactly what this show was talking about. Mm, great. Yeah. And it was just. But I think it was just so... Tra- it was just very tragic to sort of let yourself be in their shoes for a second. Because it's like, they just don't know. They don't mm, get it. Yeah. They don't
1: see it. No, And, and it, as it seems like Fisher was also getting at as well, it's like, it's generational, you know? Like, we were like raised by mm. inept people. And, uh, yeah. It's just where, certainly I feel like, at, at least Western-wise, at this turning point where people are... <laughs> this, like Emerging generations are getting in touch with the, their real basic human needs that it mm. seems like... The extent to which I understand the generations before us, it's like it seems like a lot of that was really stomped out by, yeah. you know, the, like the baby boomers and the, the people <laughs> above them of just like especially men not being, and this is a very basic thing to say, but men not men not being allowed to be emotional or soft or mm-hmm. kind, and and those being a hindrance in pursuit of a life where they can. Have wives and children and money and houses and jobs. Yeah. It's like you need to, as as with when you gut fish, you have to take out all the human, like the the, the functional parts, and just leave behind the like the, 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 the muscles necessary like the to bit get from the play. Indeed. Indeed, and you just need left to have the, the muscles left necessary to work and have money and yeah. have children and then teach them as well
0: how yeah. to gut the fish and not to have the feelings because they'll just get in the way. You did listen? Of course, I just Aww. had to understand it. <laughs> um, Yeah, but I think seeing this piece of theatre made the way it was and presented the way it was gave me a lot of hope for, as you said, this generation sort of like Starting to fix things. It is just a shame that the world will be burnt to a crisp before we can do anything. That is unfortunate. But you know what? That's it feels a bit anticlimactic, doesn't it? it.
1: it does. We're about to
0: <laughs> find this
1: real generational emotional renaissance just in time to explode in flames. <laughs> ah, <laughs> Raise Dionysus. Raise him. <laughs> oh, boy. Anything um,
0: else on Fisher? And th- I think the last thing I wanted to say is actually a sad thing to end on. But oh, good. There was a scene towards the end where one of the boys puts on a dress Mm. and is sort of in touch with their, not necessarily in touch with their femininity, but just able to sort of be Mm themselves. And there was this, I don't know, this man in the audience that I could see who was clearly finding it very funny. Mm. And like, it was a really beautiful moment in the show. And there was just this old, uh, I I filled myself with a lot of hatred for this person, so I'll try not to talk too much. (laughs) But just this man that just was outwardly laughing. And it just made me so... Angry. And it felt like a chuckle that was coming from what inside of this man? Boy in a dress. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, for fuck's sake. Just, um. wanted to just put out the energy. Bad wishes to him. Sure. Which will fix the problem. Well, hopefully he'll reflect on that. Because was he chuckling alone? Uh, no, I think he's... I can't tell. I couldn't tell if his partner was laughing with him or not. Okay. Well, maybe they had a really interesting conversation later I hope in so. the car. I hope so. Maybe. And it wasn't just, boy in a dress. <laughs> Funny. That's humor. Oh, God. All right. Fisher. Fisher. (laughs)
1: Ooh, spence, hot beats. Boof,
0: boof. Yes, ooh, I love a boof. Oh, here we are. Oh, <laughs> oh hey! Oh my god, Jake! <laughs> Hello, James. It's so nice to see you on this night. Thank you. What's just happened? We're at a <laughs> club. Oh! It's club night. Oh, oh! That's what you were crafting. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, well crafted. Thank you very much. Um, I went to Miscellanea. Great. Have you been to Miscellanea? Nope. <laughs> I had never been to Miscellanea. No. I can say Miscellanea again. I can
1: tell. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so,
0: Miscellanea <laughs> is like... A venue. Okay. It's like a club. It's like a dancey spot where you go and you you dance and I assume you're it out of your mind while you do this. Okay. Um. I, I, I know I've seen like some of my cooler friends Instagram stories at miscellanea okay. and it looks very trendy. Does right. it have like a gimmick to it? No, I guess the only gimmick would be that it's sort of like out of the way. Like it's on Swanston Street you have to go like up a bunch of stairs and then you go in and it's this big wide open space. Uh, with, like, an upstairs and a bar. Okay. You know, and a little stage. Sure. On which I saw a show <gasps> called Club Night. Okay. Okay. Great. W- wandered on in, immediately noticed that I'm not cool enough to be at this venue. Great. Which is because you were dressed as a fisherman. <laughs> I was dressed once again as a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've come to accept is just who I am now. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Take on a gut the fish. The fisherman pole. <laughs> <laughs> Get my chum out. Um, <laughs> so in I go, and it's 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 filled with people who are all in like tight fitting leather. They're all wearing like very sexy cool haircuts, and they're mm-hmm. all very, very cool and I mean, I'm sorry, and it's a club normally. It's a club normally. They have a stage which I assume is where like performers do their, their Their bits and they have like I don't know decks set up there, Um, and then they have like couches and stuff which people can sort of collapse on. But they've sort of moved the couches and gotten some chairs in to make it into a seating bank. Mm -hmm. Uh, Walk in, luckily run into my friend Ollie, Mm -hmm. Um, and we are both there alone, so we both sit together, which was very comforting because Because there is you were intimidated by all the coolness, (laughs) intimidated by cool people always. And these were like some of the coolest, like the people that snap rather than applaud. Oh. And record people that like, go to like story slams, story slams, and and, and like queer theatre pieces. Is it? What is the thinking behind clicking instead of clapping? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it does. It it has a very different vibe to applauding. And
1: it wasn't invented by
0: Legally Blonde too. No, I think it that's was totally invented could... by um, Vogue culture Vo- okay and Ballroom culture is I think where it came from But I'm not but qualified that's to true, unpack does, does that Does that mean that Reese Witherspoon
1: co-opted voguing culture? That seems
0: like uh, a... Reese I did, this. she did it with a spoon she- oh, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, wow, there's a standing ovation happening <laughs> across the street <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
1: um, that, was, um, that was the crowd applauding. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah.
0: so super duper cool people.
1: Very cool That's interesting people. that this show has somehow attracted that type of person as opposed to just traditional theatre
0: going. Well, there members. were a few theatre goers. Like there were a few people that looked more like me. Oh sure, <laughs> <laughs> the normies, if yeah. you would. Okay. Um, and but, but but by all accounts, I've I've done some Instagram stalking. Great. The three performers, mm. Angelica Angwin, uh, Lottie Beckett, and Matisse Leda, mm. uh, were very. On very very trendy cool people as well. So okay. I think I think that's what has drawn. That, sorry, that's based on an Instagram stalk you did. That off there? Absolutely, is based on Instagram. stalk. Oh, so <laughs> the online presence is very cool. Okay. Um. But, and also, I mean, the 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 actual premise of the show, which I will go into, mm. is like it's about club culture. It's about all the things that that people who would go out and party would find interesting and cool. relevant to them. Okay. Um. The show starts. It's the the, the stage at um, miscellaneous is amazing. Mm. It's like this little. It's a small stage, little square stage, but on two sides of it, it has this incredible tall LED wall okay. that like goes across a corner of it, oh. and it's just the entire time it sort of had um, projected either circuit or it had projected a house party or it had projected like text notifications and things, mm. um, that sort of kept the show going. So, the the premise of the show is it's sort of, and I hate to do this, but it's sort of like a a hangover. You know the movie, the movie, The Hangover, the, the famous trilogy. Yeah, the Bradley Cooper vehicle. Exactly. The one where they kept le-
1: leaving Justin Bartha out of the plot, even though he was the best one. You've lost me, but yes. Oh, I love
0: Justin Bartha. Please continue. I will. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was like the plot of The Hangover, if they remembered what they did that night. Okay, you know, sure. So it's it's following these three these three people who are friends from way back. Mm-hmm. I assume from primary school or high school. Yeah. And they are now three very different people from the three very different scenes yeah, that are now sort of together for the night. I'm not exactly sure why. Okay. Um, so we have... Um, Angelica Angwin plays, like, a raver character. I can't remember I can't remember the character's name. Okay. But she plays this raver character who's wearing all leather, mm-hmm. who's got a hair slicked back. Mm-hmm. She's got been to B- the Burheim. She, she DJs at, like, park raves at 2am. Okay. Like, this sort of crowd. Yeah. And then you have... Um, Matisse Lader, who plays this this girl that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I know this person. Uh-huh. She's this spiritual in touch with herself and doing her affirmations. and oh, But she has, like, 30,000 followers on TikTok and, and sort of has to keep pumping out content without looking like someone who would constantly create content. And she's from that world, and also she sells weed. Okay. And I, I know that girl, and I love that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one... Who I never thought I would identify with a straight girl more, but Lottie Beckett mm-hmm. plays just just a straight girl mm-hmm. who's just there for a good time. She doesn't <laughs> quite get it, <laughs> but she's she wants her friends to be happy and she wants to have. She just wants to go to circuit and have a dance. Right, and she I, I straight out the door. Lottie Beckett is my. I just I've never felt so strongly connected to someone. Because as someone who is not necessarily in with either of those other crowds, Mm -hmm. there were so many moments of Lottie just going, but why are we doing this? (laughs) But why aren't we just going there? What's this? What's that? And it was just watching it going, yeah, yeah, Lottie, that's me as well. I I get that. Oh, wow. Um, And yeah, so the whole show was like watching these three, they decide to go to three different events that individually they all want to go to. Okay. So they go to like... Wait, so I'm still
1: stuck back on... Wait, so when you say it's like The Hangover, are they reflecting back on decisions? No. Is it a flashback I, it's thing? It's
0: like The Hangover It was just the actual night. Oh, none okay. Of the, none of the, yeah, flashbacks. So oh, it's okay. like the course of a, of a night that just gets progressively a bit crazier. Oh, okay, great. And, um... So they start off at Circuit or Yaya's. So I the three of them know. want to have different nights. They they all have different plans. They've all said yes to, but they want to spend the night together. So they right, decide okay. to go to one, then the other, then the other. Okay. Yep. So they go to Circuit or mm-hmm. Yaya's. Yep. And they have a little boogie there, and that's for, that's for the straight girl Lottie, mm-hmm. and she's obsessed with. <laughs> doing all the wrong things she wants to touch the drag queen's hair Mm -hmm. she wants to get on the dance floor and dance to embarrassing songs that the other two don't want to be seen dancing to she just wants to have a a drink and a boogie with her friends Mm -hmm. so they do that then they go to a house party for um, Matisse's character which is like the spiritual girl Mm -hmm. so it's all like my friend Sage and my friend Basil and my friend I can't remember the other names but they're all spices which is very funny (laughs) Uh, and then the third event they go to is um, a midnight rave in the park um, which Angelica, obviously, <laughs> her raver character is the one that want to go, goes along, goes along and do that. Mm. Um, and there's bits in between like the Uber and, and, and all these, it's all about the different journeys in the night that we go on when we go out to these events. Mm, okay. Um, which was interesting to see because I'd never seen it from their perspective. Who's the, the people going out to these nights. Oh, oh, cool people. Cool people. Okay. And Jake. <laughs> what, okay. Yeah. Everyone's insecure. Everyone's. Oh. Everyone's. Is that a thing that this show illuminated? The show is very like on on its surface. I was very concerned that I was gonna just be overwhelmed with people trying to express how cool they are. Okay. Um. But it was so much more than that. It was mm. so lovely. Like it was um so aware of itself, which was very, which which saved it for me. Okay. Um. Like they knew how annoying those sort of Instagram presences are. They knew like how silly it is to sort of want these things. But then they went a bit deeper and they sort of dug into, like, I don't know, why why people do the things that they do when they go out and party and why people still want to be friends with people they sort of saw for a week in Berlin. Mm. Um, and it's, Did I mean, they unpack that? Why do people want to be friends with people like that? Well, the, and this is the thing, it does mostly come from wanting to be seen as cool. Right, okay. Um, wanting to be seen as the cool person and having the friends that adore you and having the cool clothes and... DJing and being a cool person is something that is the drive. Mm. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we are all deep down just emotionally insecure wrecks that want people to like us. Sure. Um, <laughs> you're a cool person. You must know what that's like, Jake. To worry about being excluded. No. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Was there a question in there? Or just... <laughs> no, no. No. I was just, just throwing something your way.
1: Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. That, that whole thing. Of, yeah. <laughs> you ready for some really basic psychological analysis? That thing always. of like, you know, that thing of, which I think is just a thing worth keeping in my mind, that like that, that always like prehistoric thing inside of us that's like, we want to belong to a community and mm. you don't want to be one of the weak ones that gets thrown out of the community. So when he Sign that you can scrounge together that you aren't about to be excommunicated from the group is is a nice feeling. Yeah, so yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I guess advice. this is
0: the hi- uh, highly highly evolved social version of that. I don't know how evolved it is. Pretty evolved. Pretty evolved. They're vaping. <laughs> and yeah, these, these three performers were amazing. Mm. Uh, they were nominated for the most outstanding performers at Mudfest Arts Festival. Oh But yeah. uh, yeah. um, that's Melbourne University. I believe it thing, is, right? Yeah, yeah. I, c- I couldn't tell you. I'd be lying if I said. <laughs> I'd be
1: lying to you, Jake. I believe it's like a <laughs> Melbourne University. It's like I think it's biennial or biannual. They do like a theater thing. What's biennial? It's biennial twice in one year, and biannual is every two years. I think it happens once every two years. Anyway, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Mudfest! Mudfest! Um, so they got nominated. They for... got nominated for best performers, and I can see why. Like, for this show? For this show, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. But I've just, I've gotta, I've gotta say, Lottie. I just, I'm obsessed with that bitch. <laughs> like, I, I need her more. I need more of her in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want her to, to, to be my alarm when I wake up. And when I go to sleep, I want to hear her voice. I don't oh know. There's something about this, She's just so fun. And it also, she just conveyed that sort of thing of, we all know this character. Mm. We all know this straight girl that wants to go out and just be there, <laughs> but doesn't really get it. Yeah. But and, and says the most accidentally offensive things mm. and then immediately apologizes, but she doesn't know what she's apologizing for. Okay. Um well, even mm-hmm. listening to you summarise those qualities, like
1: that almost sounds like a like a, like a like a fantasy version of like maybe like an idealized sense of oneself operating in a confusing society in the way of like yeah. imagine if you could be someone like as you describe, someone that's like quite self-assured and quite like they don't have a lot of self-consciousness and they're also just like operating quite merrily throughout yeah. everything and are also just kind of like w- w- like they're they're happy to be criticized and but but they're also like really wanting to ask questions and maintain their curiosity even yeah. though they might look stupid or
0: offensive and that's the yeah, and and like, she, the yeah
1: operating like that in the world sounds really i can see why a character like that would be dynamic and in, like really enjoyable so because enjoyable. Mm. she
0: was the one that i looked at was like same <laughs> Right. Same! That's nice. Yeah, it was really, really sweet. I will say, just the, sh- the script, the actual storyline. Yeah. It ends with, a because th- it ends with, like, you know, there's an issue with the three of them being like, why why are we friends? what I don't like you. What are we doing? I and assume they were fight. friends because they all fitted into the same pair of jeans. Is that not what happened? It's not Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. Oh, that's why I'm confused! Yeah, just, <laughs> um, but, it, but it ends with them sort of, like, coming back together and being friends and sort mm. of calling each other in the morning and sort of all dealing with the aftermath of the night and being best buds. Mm. I would say, why are they friends? Like, I watched this show and I it got to the end of it and I was like, there is no believable way that three these three people would be friends in okay. my eyes. Like, I just cannot see it work. They clearly hate each other. Okay. They clearly hate the worlds that they're from. Mm. And they clearly... It's that thing of, like, the straight toxic masculinity being friends since high school and not changing. It feels the same to me. It's like, just accept that you're no longer parts of each other's lives and move on. Wait, are you are saying, in what way is that toxic masculinity? No, 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 I'm saying from Fisher, sorry. From from the other show, Fisher. Yeah. The same way that those lads about the bro code had been friends since high school. Oh, and what okay. changed, yeah, Refused to leave that group. Mm. It was sort of like, an, almost an opposite of that, of like these three people have moved on and changed, but they still seem to be holding on to the friendship. Mm. Which I guess is a beautiful message, but it's also like, just get new friends. But at the same time, maybe it's it's not a beautiful message, is it? Yeah, I don't think... I, not I, that that's the message of the
1: show, but for that, that as a message at all in the world of like, if you've like, the time sunk thing of like, if you watch the first yeah. three seasons of Lost... You should watch all of Lost because you've wasted so much time already. There watching are last. Romans.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a dream. Sure. Um. Yeah. It, yeah. No. You're right. You're right. And I. am glad you said that because I ended up feeling. Am I the only one? Why? Are I just don't think they should be friends. Sure. That's, that's my last note on this.
1: Sure. That's interesting. Yeah. And I wonder. Um, I don't know maybe if the if the play had an epilogue or if the play were to like roll on. Or maybe the, I don't know. Who's to know what the the artists were intending? Like totally. maybe maybe they were hoping to incite. Or, like, happy to incite the type of conversation we're having right now about mm. hanging on to friendships for potentially too long. There are
0: people in your life that you, you know, you're friends with because of the situations that you're pushed into. Like, friends from high school. You wouldn't have been friends if you didn't go to high school together. Sure. Friends from work. You're, you're friends from work, Jake, technically. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I, I did leave the show immediately after. Mm-hmm. I didn't hang around. Because I was you were afraid of the coolness? Afraid of the cool people. Yes. I was going to hang around and congratulate the three because I really... And like I said, I love their performances. I have to take your chum bucket. I have to pick up my chum bucket, <laughs> reel in my rod, and walk away. Yeah, I don't know. There's also just something about very, very cool people. Do you find when you're around very, very cool people, mm. in my brain, they're all giving me the side eye and hate me. But I know no. that's just me. Sure. I know that is in my brain and that they are not actually doing that. They probably don't care that I exist. Sure. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I just get stuck in my head that like, oh, they all think you're the lamest thing in the world. And I have to run away. Okay. Does that happen to you? Um, no, no. not, not, not from cool people specifically. I absolutely
1: have the thing of just like the general social anxiety thing of like feeling unwelcome or feeling like that, that, that just by virtue of there being people around, I'm going to end up in a conversation where I make a fool of myself. Like I have all those concerns, um, and the desire to be alone. (laughs) Um, yeah, but no, but I think, no, I don't think I've ever gone maybe briefly or something just because of you know, what television teaches you. But no, I think coolness has always seemed really, really lame to me. It's always seemed performative to me in a way that has never felt enticing just because it seems so artificial in the way that it's a subscription to... A style of being a person and the
0: That thing, isn't inherent in any way The like, thing is it's, like, I, I agree with you mm. Like I know these Oh but well, that's the thing About these sorts of anxieties yeah. Is that, like
1: If you could engage with them With logic yes. You'd be in the clear In a lot of ways But it's attached to like You know Like your
0: central nervous system like, It's mental illness It's mental illness Isn't it, illness in it. Um, And that's club night I think Summarised It's mental illness Isn't it <laughs> That's how I'm going to Summarise club night Club night <laughs> Club night Let's go clubbing We can't just say The name of the show At the end of every time We talk about a show. Why not? The people love it. Club night! How about this? Club night! Club-a-gay-to-death! club a gay to <laughs> You want to end it on that one. <laughs> ding! 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 Jake, I went to Theatre Works. Did you? I did! What were you doing there? Oh, just, you know, hanging around with my friends and then I saw there was a show on, mm-hmm. so we went and saw it. Uh-huh. It's called Five Stars. Oh yeah, it's a good title. Yeah, great title. <laughs> it's by J- uh, written by Jake Stewart. Ah! Uh, and collaborative... collaborative. Co- wow, that's a hard word to say. I mean, written and... Oh my god. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say it was collaborated on by... It was adapted by. Thank you. There that's good <laughs> It was adapted by... Uh, Jake Stewart, Joel Beasley and Dominic Weintraub. Yeah. Uh, And into a a wonderful piece of theatre And I saw that piece of Mm theatre So we walk in This time I'm not alone Oh look at you go Walk in (laughs) Um, We sit on down we get a drink at the bar first before we sit down. Uh-huh. And then we run into our friend Luke McShane. Of course, who who was the pianist for a cabaret that you and I did years ago. Yes. And also your close childhood friend. Yes. <laughs> and a wonderful person, He's Luke, if you're the listening. Best. We love. Um so that was a wonderful surprise. <laughs> like I was... Is this the part where we should just be upfront about the fact of this being a show that You wrote and were in. (laughs) Yes, I think people would have figured that out by now. Yeah, but you don't want to leave those people behind. Oh, sure. This is very strange. Hey, everyone, (laughs) let me hold your hand for a second. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you you want to give Do you want to give us like a very brief blurb of what the play is? How you would sort of sell it to people? How would I sell it? Uh,
1: sure. I suppose it's so existed. Like the original text of Five Stars was a piece uh, that I sort of like began and finished around like the end of twenty twenty, the start of twenty
0: twenty one. Um, it was A very ins- emotionally stable time for us all. I was falling apart yep. and
1: I, it was written sort of like as a kind of like initially sort of began as like an emotional response to having recently made a piece of theatre about masculinity and also having sort of like met Joel and the way that he like affected my being. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that began to be a piece and it was ostensibly kind of like a piece about a playwright confessing his love for an actor. And then a bunch of sort of theatrical hijinks ensue in terms of theatre making and also in terms of, like, their complicated relationship as co-artists. Mm. Um, yeah, so that play existed and then we were going to be staging it at the start of this year at Theater Works, And then it, we had to cancel it because we all got COVID. And then... <laughs> I still don't think you had COVID. No one thinks I had COVID. You didn't <laughs> have COVID! <laughs> and then... Uh, yeah, but then... Sort of out of nowhere, about a month ago, someone at theater Works was like, do you want to do Five Stars now? And we were like, yes. But then we sort of all, like me, Dominic and Joel, decided that we kind of w- we wanted to tell the story in a way of the text. But because of who we'd sort of turned into and the way that our friendships had evolved, we thought it would be more interesting and better for us as people um, to tell the story of Five Stars, but also tell the story of how that script became a script and also the real things that have happened between me and Joel leading up to the script being written and th- even like throughout this process of adapting it almost it's documentary theater um, at the same time as being an exploration of fiction it's, it's got, got layers. layers but yes that's 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 coming from one of the people that made it Yes. So it's much more interesting, I think, to hear what you think.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm getting it. i Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No,
1: but I know that's, that's just me saying that like, yeah. this isn't just going to be me platforming my own voice about a thing I just made. I think
0: Jake is concerned that talking about the show will seem self-centred. No. <laughs> I don't think it is. That's good. Sure. <laughs> but yes, I think no. people want to hear. Um, um, so we walk in, sit down, notice that most of the set is from your living room. Yes. Um, which is immediately wonderful. It's and, and I love the way that the set was just immediately sort of hodgepodge. There were bits hanging. There were some suspended bits. There was like a bunch of I don't know, like brooms and a microwave and tables at the back and just clutter around the place and confetti all over the floor, which I believe I have interpreted as ripped up old scripts. Cool. That's what I. That's what I saw that as. Yeah. It was very much you walk in and it's clearly a working space. Mm. And it's like, it feels like this is the space that they would use to rehearse a work and like sort of develop it. Um, so that was really nice immediately. Um, I had, <clears throat> so I went with Flynn, mm. which is, I, uh, that's my boyfriend, your boyfriend, my boyfriend, James. <laughs> oh, that's too exciting for you. Funny every time. Oh. Um, yeah, found someone that can put up with me. <laughs> so we walk in and we had, um, we, we, whenever we see a show together, we do like a prediction or two to sort mm. of see what we can guess. Sure. I had guessed there would be like a Brokeback Mountain reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, in the first scene, <laughs> we come across the Christmas elves just doing Brokeback Mountain. Elfie and Elfo, who I strongly urge you to do a, a, a show of entirely, because <laughs> they are so good. Um, uh, And then out come Joel and Jake, but not straight away. No. And th- I love the way you start the show of, like, the, the lights come up so everyone shuts up. And then just we can hear... Like, in the very distance, the two of you sort of clattering about and getting ready and coming into the space, which was such a... Was that on purpose? I've got to ask. Yeah. That was intentional? Yeah, because we weren't super sure, but it felt really nice. Mm, great. And then you sort of just come into the space and immediately address the audience. And I don't know. I just did not expect you to do that at all because I don't expect you to do anything acknowledging the audience. I always... I find it interesting when you do. Because as someone that hates audience participation, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. I just expect you to sort of put up a wall immediately. But you just immediately came on and just spoke to us. And it just felt so intimate and nice. And like we were all just chums here to see our chums put on a show. Okay. That was really nice. Really really good. And then, yeah, as Jake said, it dived into this scene from Five Stars is at this point in the show. And you'd sort of preface it with what that scene was originally and then you would do the scene and then it would change into something else and it was it was another sort of um bitsy sort of thing that I really I I love I vibe with um and this show had everything dear listeners <laughs> this show had Jake being sent up a cherry picker this show had Jake playing the piano sort of mm-hmm. this show had Joel dressed up as a witch in one of the most beautifully lit scenes oh my god i think i've seen mm. like it was ac- like actually incredible oh my this god. this big billowy was that on purpose? Did that, like, did you plan... Like, I, I'm i sorry to just immediately narrow in on the witch, but I need yeah. to know, where did the witch come from? The witch came from... Joel, for some reason throughout the
1: entire process, kept singing Into the Woods to me. And so it was just like this, yeah, unavoidable him embodying Meryl Streep playing the witch in the movie version Oh, he of goes Into for the Meryl Woods. Streep, does he? He does. He does very proudly go for the Meryl Streep okay. interpretation of the witch. Interesting. And, yeah, and then when we started using those, like, plastic sheets to cover the set pieces to make it feel kind of museum-y and kind of, like... Old, yeah. Um, we found that the plastic sheets themselves moved, kind of like Meryl Streep's outfit in Into mm. the Woods is how yeah, we decided yeah. to costume him, and then also Harry Hogan doing her incredible lighting of the show, mm. um, just interacted really nicely with the costume choice. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I think this is something that Flynn and I said to each other, and I don't want this to sound mean. Mm, go ahead, but we didn't expect it to look as polished as it did. Oh, that's like like nice. that's a credit to Harry Hogan. Like yeah. the the set of like first of all, I've already said I love, but the lighting, and then. I don't know, the way all the... It just all came together really, really nicely and felt slick. Oh, cool. Which which I think is a credit to all of you involved. Mm. But it was just very nice. And I think I, we didn't expect it to. Oh, it, cool. It, you expected it to feel more like more rough rehearsal vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was like a proper slick show. Well done. Oh, Congratulations. Good on, good on, it felt that way. That's nice. Yeah. Sure. I think you are, you are just a very naturally funny person. And this isn't just going to turn into me complimenting you, even though it is. But I just, I really appreciate any time I'm able to see your writing, and I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast would agree, you just have a very naturally beautiful way of talking and thinking. And to sort of see that on stage, it was sort of, it felt like a very, it just felt the most genuinely you I've seen in a while. Which was really, really, really nice. Sure. Like it was, I don't know how else to say it. It was just like, You've taken the way that you talk and you think and you've been given the time to sort of heighten it and refine it and work on it and put it on and it just really worked. And it was really, really good. I just wanted to say congratulations. Sure, thank you, James. That's very nice. Thank you. That's um, all right. I mean... <laughs> We're going to move on immediately so that we don't talk about our emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was gonna, If I wanted a script version of that show... <laughs> yes. Do you have a full script of that show or was some of it, like, like... Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no, we
1: talked about that uh, last night because last night was closing night. Yeah, no, we, our intention is to take the script, which is essentially what was on stage, mm. but to, like, polish it up to the point where it is what we did on stage. Right. And also attach, like, an introduction-y, like, manifesto-y, this is what we were doing thing to it.
0: Yeah, sure. To make it a readable document that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because there are so many lines in that that I really, like, you... Oh! You said something that absolutely floored me, which is, like, the way you think about love is maths, That you, but you don't know the numbers. What was that line? Tell about, me the line now. About
1: how, um... The, uh, so what is it? Doing mathematics because something beautiful is something to which to add or subtract from it would be to make it worse. Mm. So what he's been doing is, like, trying to arith- like use arithmetic to determine that there must be someone out there more beautiful than him, Ugh. was the idea. Ugh!
0: Yeah. Sure. You just write really nicely... Oh, and it's just there. Yeah, I want that script because there are so many lines in that that I just was floored by. Um, were you scared of the cherry picker? Um, Yeah, it was insane. They shouldn't have let me do it. Like, yeah, there's, right. There's, like, like, it was
1: wonderful. Like, it was a really fun stage moment of getting to go up in that cherry picker thing. But it was like, we, it was just in the space while we were bumping in. And then we, yeah, sort of had the idea that it could be fun to put a monologue or something in it. And then we asked the guy, like Tom, who was like running the space for us for theatre works. And we asked him if it would be okay, expecting him to say no. And yeah. he was like, yeah, say so why not? And then just like trained me for approximately two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, that's all the training
0: I needed to... To go up and downsies. Up and downsies. And that, I just... Harry Hogan! Mm. Oh! The the way that scene, we saw the cherry picker. The spotlight mm. comes on. Oh, she's a genius. And as soon as that happened, it was like, is he... Is he going to go up the cherry figure? Ah! Surely not. Ah! And then he did, everyone. <laughs> and the way you had your arm, I uh, just... Bravo. Bravo. Oh, thank you so um, much. <laughs> congratulations to Joel Beasley as well. Sure, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful performer to watch. Yeah. Um, And also, on a personal note... Yes, go ahead. As someone who lived with you for pretty much that whole time... Yes. ...of seeing all this happen, watching you sort of fall apart and put yourself back together... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how much the second part happened, but yes. It's happening. <laughs> um... I think it was just very—it was gratifying to see it all laid out on stage mm. in a very coherent way. It was felt like you have looked at your life and been able to sort of extrapolate the parts of it that you need to know and unpack and put on stage, which is how you deal with things. Which is a very good expressive way that you do things. Sure. And then like, watching it all happen just felt—it felt so gratifying to see Joel also on that stage doing those things and saying those things with you mm. because i feel like so much of the issue as you discuss in the show is that a lot of it is one sided like a lot of your your you never really know what the other person's thinking mm. and you are never able to sort of in of like love you mean in love but also just in life just right, like yeah. you you're never you're not physically around Joel all the time you're not physically able to sort of know if he's laughing smiling or whatever when he sends a text mm. you know yeah. so to see him on that stage with you Performing a work about you and him together. Mm. I don't know. I just found that really on a personal level, as your friend, I found that very gratifying. Sure. Um, how much did you cry in <laughs> these shows? <laughs> <laughs> what an artistic
1: question. <laughs> um, like a bunch. Like less. Like it was. Ugh, like on closing night, I cried. I cried a fair bit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, because I, because I don't know, because part of the show, of course, is the fact that Joel. Is quite... Like, he's leaving really soon to go to Sydney mm. and... Sydney. Awful place. <laughs> awful place! <laughs> garbage town. Uh, and so I was sort of, like, reflecting with Dominic last night about how we got to... as Like, I don't know. This Making this show has been so complicated. But mm. part of what I'm really grateful for is that the fact that Joel, who's one of my favourite people in the world, is... Leaving us is to go to a different city. <laughs> um, doing this show meant that I got to spend two weeks saying goodbye to him mm. um, every night. And it was hard every single time, and seemed it got harder every night because it was getting closer to the real thing. Um, but that, and this, you know, this obviously so much emotional stuff in the show and that went into the show. But part of what made it. Devastating and, as you say, made it so like, especially the ending of the show, hard to get through. with the fact of quite literally having to say goodbye to somebody, mm. um, which was a unique theatrical thing to experience and a unique human thing to experience.
0: Um, but that's thing.
1: yeah. But that's yeah. Kind of tied to the whole show as being like a very strange, very personal. It's experiment. a very
0: unique because every time I sort of mention to someone at work or a friend, I don't have friends. Um, I sort of mention what the show is and what it was, everyone's always astounded. Like, everyone's oh. always... The fact that you're doing the show about this person that you have this relationship with and they're in the show with you doing it as well. Mm. Like, I th- every, every, every it's, it's... You don't see it sure. much. Yeah. Like, you really don't. And when you do, it's always stories from, like... 1800s or like like you know old stories of old lovers being tragically embroiled and I feel like if you were in that day and age you would have killed yourself by now yes um, <laughs> so I'm <Go> glad, <laughs> glad you haven't um, um, yeah and I think it felt really special to be able to be a part of that because even if people do remount this show or someone does get the script and do it somehow mm. it wouldn't it's not the same it's sure. not you and Joel doing that show and and Dominic involved mm. like yeah I, you know? Yeah.
1: No, I yeah. agree. Yeah. You
0: could really feel the emotional charge on stage. It was just... Oh, oh that's nice I'm really news. glad you we were in the front row. Good, great. Okay, yeah. Shouted at you. No.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, no. And in that way, it was like, as I've said to Joel a number of times, like I was just so grateful to him for being, like, open to the idea of this experiment mm. because that's very much what it was. Like, neither of us have ever... done a theatrical experiment like this that is like based on things that have happened to us and are currently happening to us and like so much of the process was us unpacking our like real-time emotions and responses to the process itself and to each other and like analyzing to an extent that that you rarely get with like a person that you have any type of complicated or even simple history with you know it's Mm. really really rare that you are afforded the very like generous compassionate opportunity to sit down with a person and actually analyze confusing things that have happened and that someone will let you come a little bit closer to understanding the significance that you have for them and the Mm. things that you've done and said um in a way that is just coming from a place of well even even coming from a place of As a sort of, like, me and Joel sort of, like, talked about last night of being, like, this never felt like therapy for us. And we spent, like, part, like, throughout the process, we were very consciously, like, not letting it become therapeutic Mm. in the way that we kind of, from the start, had almost inherently promised to ourselves that it was going to be dramaturgical. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, in the way that it was going to, like, the, the first and foremost thing was... Exploring these themes and ideas and experiences, but that it was intended for an audience to enjoy themselves. It wasn't about Jake and Joel being happier and healthier and functional by the end. Yeah. It was about us being the method through which we generated a show that was worth watching. Hence, Elfie and Elfo.
0: how
1: oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Elfie and Elfo. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that she, that your that your pals thought it was a a worthwhile strange experiment. Jake,
0: everyone's thought it was. Well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: but it's it's um it's the sort of thing too where it's like. I guess we like dove into it so hard so fast and then you're obviously inside of a process and you lose track of objectively what you're doing. Yeah. Like you just you set these boundaries up and these rules up and then you just start following them and then you you are no longer able to view it from a vantage point outside of yourself and be are sure. like, "Oh, that's an odd thing that they're doing." You just become accustomed to turning up at rehearsal and Unpacking a confusing Facebook message you
0: received two years ago, and thank God, for, thank God, you get used to it because if you didn't, I don't know how you would have done that show. Oh my God, yeah, no, but so five stars. Yeah, where does the
1: title come from? Was the t- the title so the original title? So because the original text, like a through line of that text, on top of like the unrequited love and the theatrical competition that exists, it's kind of all hinging on the idea of generating, like making theatre with the desire to impress, especially, like, theatre critics, mm. um, but also making art that's an effort to appease general taste yep, is is an element of what fuels that text. Because it was partially, on top of it, coming from a place of, like, confusing infatuation and whatever, it also came from a place of, like, rage and frustration. Like, almost partly as this podcast almost was yep. yeah generated by was this frustration with... Theatrical criticism in this country, yeah. um, and and art criticism generally, and like the, how it's a piece of shit, and yes. how it's like it's an awful rubric within which to be attempting to create art and believing that quite like sadly rather rightly that you need to impress particular people in order for you to get taken seriously in any kind of like industrially recognised way. And how that does not beget more interesting art. Like we don't need more people making it harder for people to fail and experiment with their artistry. Mm. Um, we should only be we should only be lifting each other up. <laughs> well, at least, and, and just like giving each other the you know the respects, uh, you know that we all deserve. Like, yeah. The, the, the sense of like if someone or a group of people want to tell a story or do a particular thing on a stage or something, that's enough to warrant respect from other people and people swooping in to insult their efforts Mm. does not make it more likely for them to make interesting art in the future. It doesn't make it likely for other people to feel safe enough to make art themselves. Like, all of that does not feed into an environment that creates... Better art or better artists. It just damages people. And oftentimes damages people that could very likely turn into really, really marvellous creators. But instead, they're afraid of getting insulted on the internet by strangers who have been told that they're smart and that their opinions matter more than everyone else's. So yeah, that's why the original text was called Five Stars. Um,
0: Question. Go ahead. Hello. Um... Have you received feed... I guess, how am I trying to phrase this? Have you received feedback from people? Yeah. Like, have people come to you to talk about the show? Because mm. I imagine they must have with a show like this. Sure. And is it the sort of response you expected? The... What? So, at this point, obviously, closed yesterday. So, all the conversations I've kind
1: of had have been in the foyer or, like, within the person telling me their feedback, likely within, like, the 24 hours in which they've seen the show. Mm. Um, which is not to say anything of the quality of feedback. It's just that that's that's what it's all couched in. Um, but it was again, it was the sort of thing where it's like the show was so odd to us and so personal to us that it was like and we had to make it so fast, like relatively quickly, um, bring your voice down a little bit. relatively
0: quickly. <laughs> there we go.
1: Um, which yeah, which is part of what made the process so exciting and overwhelming. Uh, so in that way, it was kind of like with everything being so heightened in that sense, it was like I especially had no idea of what people would say about it because, and it was unique to this process because, again, with the subject matter being so personal, it was like, it was on top of the the unavoidable sort of anxious concerns of like, are people going to see this and think I'm bad at art? Mm-hmm. But because it was also so personal, it was like, oh, are people going to think that they know a bunch of this stuff like about me now? And are they going to have opinions on me as a person? And are they going to th- i think that they've... You know, there, yep. there's that additional concern of like, do they think that they will have learned particular things about Who me, I am. or and and in the same way, do I not know how much of myself I'm inadvertently showing to people? In that way, it was like, yeah, it was super scary, just in terms of uh, those sorts of things. Yeah, and also too, it, also there's just the general thing of like it being a very vulnerable, vulnerable work, a very new work, and a, yeah, and, and dealing with things that are really deeply connected to. The things that underpin my own sense of self and the way that I'm going to now have to live my life now, just in terms of the way of like love being a significant element of, you know, the life experience. And this has changed my opinion of love generally, you know? So hmm. this really feels like a turning point. Um, well. Whatever, you
0: know? So. I think yeah, it's cool that you can talk about love so openly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, you can. Sure. And you do. Oh. Uh. Because I don't think it's something that most people can or do talk about openly like that. Sure. Okay. Well, well, I hope... That's part of the reason why I think your work is so
1: exciting. Well, that's nice. Yeah. And, and it's... That's nice to hear because it's part of the reason that I like want to make stuff is, mm. you know, to to get people with, even just thinking about, but hopefully talking about things that I think are things that we need to talk about more because... Yeah, I think love's gigantic. And it's different sizes for everybody, but I think even like conversations that I've had with people immediately after the show or like via Instagram afterwards, <laughs> it's been so nice to hear from people that uh, things that were said about love and experiences of it have resonated with them in a way that they potentially haven't seen on stage before or has as validated for them the fact of like they felt like they felt something harder than a normal person would feel it. Or hadn't felt like anyone had necessarily felt the way they did because they thought that their experience of affection was so bizarre and unique to them that it had left them feeling kind of by themselves in it or something. That's interesting. You know? so That's great. It was nice to... Yeah. yeah, Get to talk to people about that sort of thing. Because that stuff is so interesting to me. Mm. And, you know, with gayness and with my upbringing being what it was, it's like I was made to feel very alone in a lot of what I went through romantically and personally and developmentally so to to think that in any way i could make a person feel less by themselves in their like developing understanding of their current personal paradigm surrounding what adoration is it's a real privilege and it's also yeah i'm just glad to be a positive force in anyone's formulating perception of their own romantic life yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Goodness. Is my answer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't can't remember what the question was, but I, I agree. Sure. But yeah.
0: Oh, but also on top of that,
1: so many fun <laughs> FOIA conversations. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Everyone that came to the show. Ah, oh, thank you so much for doing so. Especially if you like stuck around and talked afterwards. Like I hate foyers. Um, Famously. especially famous, especially if it's a show that I made. But for some reason this time, it was. I just had such wonderful... Even with Strangers, it was like so many wonderful conversations about the show itself, what the show meant to people, um, and even just... And I know it's hard to generate any sort of... Anything to say right after seeing a show. So... Um, yeah, I'm just grateful to anyone that took the time to actually say anything to me afterwards. Um, sorry that my half of the conversation was probably worthless, <laughs> but Jake, that's okay. super, um... uh, all of
0: your halves of a conversation are worthless. Yeah, fuck you. Right fuck in you! The eye. Fuck you. Um, um, yeah, but yeah, no. So that's that on that. Anything else, James? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've said all the words that are left to say in the world. So
1: five stars. Um,
0: five stars. Um, it's, yeah, yeah, we can't. You're right. We have, we have to pick a different yeah, ending. No. Um, yeah,
1: I'm just really grateful for having gotten to go through such an absurd experience with such wonderful people. I'm giving a round of applause for Jake. Uh, no, that's enough. Nope. Um, yep. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That's how you want to end that's this? That's it. Joel Beasley's <laughs> marvellous. It was a wonderful team to work with. And thank you to everyone who came. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Ah, uh, so yeah, that is this week's episode of Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Praise
0: him um, <laughs> Oh, we're adding some vocalisation. Well, you uh, know, when, when the
1: spirit takes you, you follow The spirit uh, of Dionysus, it. that yeah. is. <laughs> Um, yes. Uh, so yeah, that's it. That's it today. Yeah, that's that's it today, kids. That's it today, kids. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing a play or something soon, give us tickets to it. We will come to it and then we'll talk about it on this goddamn podcast. Much like we did today. Yes, you know. We spoke about things. This is a fine example of how that would go. Words. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening to it. Um, thank you, not to reiterate, but thanks again to anyone that came to Five Stars. It meant a lot. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. As always, we may
0: already disagree with everything we just said. Yes, yes, there's a lot of things that I said today that included uh, insults, vaguely, vaguely, thinly veiled insults at people that I want to take back. Oh, so you're already back. Oh, absolutely, i am oh, taking most good. of it back. Good on so you to having don't... a backbone. That's <laughs> a really good. Great... I do have a backbone, it's just very flexible. Oh, really fun. Oh, backbone. Bendy! Um, I would say that friends don't let friends become theatre critics. And I would. Agree with that remark. Would you? I would.
1: I do even. Oh! Not even hypothetical. That's exciting. I do. Anyway. Uh, we have an Instagram? We do. It's Praised Dionysus. And you uh, have an email? We do. It's praisedionysis at gmail.com. Are you seeing a pattern here? You see a pattern?
0: We have a TikTok. We don't. Oh. No. One don't. day. One day we oh, will. we'll get there. Just us doing silly little dances. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, I, ho- I hope you're warm and happy wherever you are. Yeah, unless you're somewhere where it's really hot, in which case, I hope you're cold and refreshed. Oh, that's a confusing take on things. All right, good. <laughs> Speak Miss to you, you soon. Love you. God, you're beautiful.